The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. podcast to find them one podcast to bring them all and in the darkness find them hello everybody and welcome to retro pop your home for bi-weekly pop culture right here on the network my name is matt johnson your host and alongside with me every single other week my good friend johnny townsend you are the uh you are the gimli to my legolas I, I would prefer, and that's a great one, don't get me wrong. I would prefer, I probably look like a Gimli, if I'm being fair and honest, but I would prefer to be your Semwise to your Frodo. That's uh, probably actually a lot nicer. Yeah, Semwise I, I, is my favorite character. He's actually one of my favorite characters in almost anything. So He is pretty great. I missed the boat on that one. My apologies. I did. You do have some dwarf like features, not like in height and stuff, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I, if, if, uh, if a dwarf, if a, like a middle aged dwarf, uh was tall that's that's i'm a tall gimli if you <laughs> you're like if legolas and gimli had a child yes yes which i'm sure has happened in certain fan fictions <laughs> oh i'm sure reddit is an interesting place uh we are excited to have you all with us today on this uh journey through middle earth we're gonna be talking about the lord of the rings today and uh for that we brought in another expert oh, the floodgates have been open we're getting guests regularly and Left and right. Cats and and dogs living together. It's mess hysteria. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Uh, This is our technically our sister show and is part of the uh, I guess we'll call it the retro brand here on the network. Yeah, he is uh, one of Johnny's best, absolute best friends. They are co-hosts together on uh, our sister show, Retro Blist and Trevor. Well, spoiler, his name is Trevor. Uh, He hosts Cardboard Cave, where he discusses board games and such. And I think you guys have another show out as well. Uh, But everybody, please welcome to Retro Pop, first-time guest, Trevor. How are you, bud? Tip me, Frodo. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? We're good, bud. How are you? I'm good. Glad to be talking about this property I've never heard of. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I heard, like, as soon as we announced it, like, I surprised Johnny with it two weeks ago. He had no idea what, what I was looking to pick. And he's like, yo, we got to have Trevor on. He's like, this is just, like, bread and butter, his, yeah. uh, his go-to. And- I'm fairly certain if I hadn't have said that and then Trevor found out just by listening that we were covering this, he would disown me. <laughs> and our friendship would be over just like that. He is a – he's a – he loves Lord of the Rings. Uh, I do, too. And obviously, Matt, you do, too. Yes. Uh, so we're all Lord of the Rings fans, but – uh Trevor, I think, goes uh, a little above me when it comes to this. There it is. Um, <laughs> I like okay. to think so. <laughs> no, that's uh, which is great. You know, we want experts. You know, I only know, I only know so much, right? I love it. I worship it. And uh, we're gonna get into all that stuff in just a little bit. But you know, well, we call his we call his basement the Shire. Just so, just to give. Oh, <laughs> dude, it's a, he's an absolute <laughs> shoo-in. Absolute shoo-in yeah. for this. <laughs> this was destiny, uh, and we're very glad to have him with us. So. Um, I I say it's about time, everybody. Let's get into our personal history with the Lord of the Rings. You know what, Trevor, since you are a special guest and and you probably, you know, like I said, I hold Lord of the Rings in very high esteem. uh, And I'm sure Johnny does as well. But, you know, this is like I said, this is your this is your thing. 
this is your thing. I'd love to hear your personal history first on this uh, on this subject matter. When did you fall in love with Lord of the Rings, and what does it mean to you? Uh, what have been your inter- interactions with this uh, with this property? Well, I'll just keep it pretty simple. I'm I'm probably a pretty disappointing fan, actually, to to uh, like super Tolkien fans because I didn't know what the Lord of the Rings was. I guess I was, if you listen Retro Bliss, uh, I was pretty sheltered i don't know what the right word is from it from a lot of huge properties uh i didn't know really anything about lord of the rings until i started hearing about the fellowship of the ring the movie okay and uh, i was 17 when it came out and i got more and more excited about it as i was reading about it it's like okay this is based on these awesome books um and when the movie came out i believe it was opening week i was like i said i think i was 17 went to see it and I, from that moment on, um, I think it was my Star Wars. Like, you know, because I wasn't even born when the original, you know, Star Wars trilogy came out. Right. Um, which I guess none of us were. But, and, I, and I, I've always enjoyed Star Wars, but I was just the perfect age when the Fellowship of the Ring came out that it just, I, I can't even explain the connection I had to it. And so, of course, I waited exactly one year uh, before the two towers came out, uh, just the anticipation of that year is just so amazing. Like it's something I kind of miss to have something that big to look forward to and to wait a whole year. Um, and then of course the anticipation was just almost unbearable after the two towers waiting for the return of the King. Um, but after that was over, after that point, you know, I got the extended edition DVD sets and, and basically anything I get my hands on, I just, absolutely adore the movies um it's almost unfair at this point i don't think there's ever going to be another movie or movie trilogy that's going to top it for me it's just such a part of me at this point um and i've and i've delved into um uh i guess some things tangential to the movies but honestly and i don't care how uncool this makes me sound to some people because some people, the movies are so huge, they actually love to hate on them because, of course, they're not 100% like the books. Right, right. They can't be and still be a good movie. But honestly, it's the movies. It's the trilogy that made me fall in love with Lord of the Rings, and I'm just unapologetic about it. Um, and since then, I've fallen in love with Tolkien himself. And uh, The Hobbit is such a, if you have kids, if you ever have kids, that's just a great, that's just a great book. Um, the Lord of the Rings is is a, is a masterpiece, but it's almost not even, it's not even a novel. So it's, you know, but the Hobbit's a great book and I still watch the Lord of the Rings any chance I get. Um, always the extended edition. Um, I don't know. I just never get tired of it. I guess it's my star Wars. You know, it's, it's for me, that's what it was. It was just that big. I like that. I really like that. You made that comparison, especially too, cause it came out, you know, it, well, it came out within the, the confines of the, the, the prequel trilogy for star Wars as well. And I think it it uh it definitely has a bigger aura about it. I think people appreciate those set of films a, a lot more than they, they than some do the prequel trilogy. I like yeah. the prequel trilogy as well. That's a topic for another day that we actually we probably already we already did cover, actually. Uh, yeah, I I I I really like that that that's you know that could be people from our generations. You know that is that that it honestly is. It's an it's a from a you know, from the movie standpoint, from the uh, production standpoint, it's really, really incredible and holds up well to this day. 
it set the state, yep. it set the, it set the bar like really really high. Um, for you know, I, I think for cinema in, in general, I, I was, I will say this, you know, I'll, I'll kind of jump into my personal history. Uh, in hindsight, I was, I was absolutely floored that you know we're getting these mega three-hour movies, uh, nearly three-hour movies in, in some cases, and we're getting them a year from each other. Star Wars three years apart for a hour yeah. and a half, two hour movie. And it's like, Oh my God, you know, I get it. They're drawing it out. They got, they got a lot to do, but you know, year to year was like that. I think that impressed me the most. I hate sitting and waiting on things. I understand you have to, uh, to create appeal, but it was like, it was really cool to see that. It was just bam, bam, bam year after year after year, right around this time of year. Exactly. Yeah. Um, as well, they used to come out, I think, uh, I think it was December, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yes. like the, yep. it, I think it was like the twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. Uh, and obviously, you know, with every year, it came out the same exact weekend every year. But obviously, the date just changed. Right. Uh, it shifted a digit. But you know, that was uh, yeah, that, that, that was phenomenal to me. Uh, I seen the first, the, the very first one I seen for my uh, for my cousin's birthday, his his eleventy first birthday. No, actually, <laughs> I think it was his. Uh, was it 10th, 9th or 10th birthday, which is pretty wild uh, that we were going to see. Cause right, I think the first one came out in 01. Yep, 2001. Yes, December 2001. We went in January of 2002 to go see it. And I, I mean, I sat there. I was honed in and I loved every every bit of it. I was blown away and I was hooked. And then after that first year, it became a big family thing. Like, okay, it's Christmas time. We're all going to the movies the Saturday after Christmas. And we, we've done that for some movies. We did it for the uh, for the Star Wars sequel trilogy, Lord of the Rings. We got to do that, uh, which was really, really cool. I, I enjoyed going with aunts and uncles, cousins and all just taking up a row like a bunch of D bags in the back of the theater and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just watching those movies. But uh, I came into the book after I watched the first. Was it the year after? Is it like the Christmas before I seen the first one because I knew it was coming out? Actually, you know, I think that's what it was. So December of 2001 uh, is when I got those, uh, got the books. My parents bought me the, uh, it was the four book collection. It didn't have the Similarian, but it had the Hobbit and, and all the Lord of the Rings books. Yeah. And so I can, I can start to catch up and understand it. And I love the way that the books were presented. I think that goes a long way. You know, it, it, it legit, like he did Tolkien. And we'll talk about this. He did so much extra work to make it like a, a literal like world, like with all the mm -hmm. appendices and, and all the extra background information. And that's what really drew me in. You know, the movies were great. The books were awesome. And we had some pretty cool video games to go with it as well. And uh, it's, it's, it's so, so popular. I've went and watched some of the older cartoons, uh, you know, from back in the seventies and eighties when my dad was growing up. And uh, I mean, nothing's going to top the movies, but uh, the whole universe around Lord of the Rings, the whole storyline, uh, the whole lore, is absolutely it's it's captivating it's absolutely captivating i'm i'm very thankful that i got to live in a time where i got to see all these you know all these big high-end hollywood productions yeah i not not to to go longer but what you just said i'm i'm so thankful that i was born at a time when i could be the age i was when i saw these because what you just said there's really it doesn't really exist anymore i mean this was the scale this was on it would all be done with computer graphics now yeah. Um, and it's just not the same. And when you watch it, it's just not the same. And I'm glad that I could be around to see sort of one of the last true epics, in my opinion. That's true. Go with, 
actors and costumes and just the whole nine yards. That is true. I, I, With all I, the I sets think, and stuff, they did great. Yeah, you know, I kind of think the the closest thing we have now, and it's over now, was the Avengers two parter, right? The um, because I remember that they filmed that at the same time, and then we had to wait a year between them. Yes, I I, uh, I figured there was some inspiration from Lord of the Rings with that yeah. with that manner. Yeah, yeah, and all the actors they casted it so well. So there's a lot of similarities to me between the Marvel universe yeah. and Lord of the Rings when it comes to those type of aspects. Uh, for myself, uh, our family used to have this tradition where uh, we would on Christmas Day we would go to a movie, and Lord of the Rings when it came out in '01, that was the movie we went to. I was obviously aware of Lord of the Rings. I was aware of the books. I never had read them at that time, uh, but I was aware of them. Uh, but it just wasn't on my radar. It's something I would, you know, I'd be like, well, I'm... mainly because it was a really thick, it was very thick books. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, that's a lot of reading. And uh, so we go and see the movie. I sit through the whole thing. And after it's over, and as we're walking out of the theater, I distinctly remember thinking to myself, I don't know how I feel about this. And I was like, did I like this or did I not like this? Like, I couldn't tell. Uh, and it was, that's really strange for me to say, but I do remember as I'm watching it, I'm like, well, you know, there's some cool characters here. You know, there's some pretty sweet characters, uh, you know, and then you have a spoiler alert. You have a character who uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for any character that has a redemption arc. And yeah, you, you know, you have Boromir uh, who sacrifices himself at the end after he tries to take the ring. And then he ends up trying to save, you know, the other hobbits. And like, that's, I can, I can watch that scene again, and every time he's getting hit with those arrows, I, I cry. Uh, oh, but yeah. It, uh, but, you know, so I was a sucker for that part of it. But I distinctly remember talking to Trevor after we had both seen it, and he was really building it up, and he really made me really think about the movie again. And I was like, you know what? He's right. And then that made me think, I'm going to give the next one a try. And I'm so glad I did because this series, and then I still hold the Hobbit trilogy in pretty high regard, too. I know a lot of people don't, but. I liked it just as uh, not as much, but fairly well. I mean, there's a lot of great yeah. parts of it, and it's you know so many great actors and stuff. Uh, but the Lord of the Rings just really hit me. I was I'm like a year older than Trevor, and so I think we were the perfect age for this trilogy to come out. You know, we were uh, we were about to become men, uh, mm -hmm. as they say, even though we still are about to do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> just as close now as we were then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I can read on a fifth grade reading level now. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, but like that just opened my love for Lord of the Rings and Tolkien. Honestly, uh, I I read the books after that. Uh, the Hobbit is actually underrated. I think honestly, the Hobbit is really good. Oh, it's film and book, novel. film and book. I, th I think yeah. the films are you know. Good. I have there's a lot of stuff that I, I really really enjoyed in the Hobbit and you know it's from a movie the movie perspective that I, I don't think the movies get enough credit yes they're a, a significant trilogy but people just like ah eh, they don't like, like from a comparison sake like I mean yeah I think the story for Lord of the Rings is is, is much better but what Jackson did with the the Hobbit and and turning it to a a really really good trilogy. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I like in The Hobbit more so than I liked in in the the main it, Lord of the Rings story. The Lord of the Rings made me a Peter Jackson fan. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's the Lord of the Rings was a game changer. Honestly, it really truly was. It's one of those movies just from like a special effects standpoint. Just looking at it from there, I mean, they have giant, like the Battle of Helm's Deep for crying out loud. It's like a oh giant God. giant movie masterpiece of a battle, right? Like the, the just the sheer size of it, like everything that's going on. 
Uh, I mean, all the actors they had, I and mean, they did use a little computer, but most they did mostly try to stick to, you know, uh, practical stuff. Uh, it's it's, but they were also ahead of their time when it came to computer graphics using yeah. the, that stuff too. So it's really was a game changer. It really reminds me in that aspect of how Jurassic Park was. Uh, Jurassic Park was a game changer when it came to special effects, uh, and this to me is a, is like the next level. Like you had Jurassic Park, and then you upped it with you know you had Star Wars that really kind of opened the door for a lot of movies, and then you had uh, Jurassic Park would feel like would be like another one, and then Lord of the Rings trilogy would definitely be another one for me of these landmark films that really helped change the landscape of special effects and what you can do in, in film and movies. And I would probably say the Marvel movies are the next step up after that, but uh, it's. Lord of the Rings has always been a part, and I think Trevor and I's friendship is a a, a huge deal when it comes to Lord of the Rings. Like it's just like uh, his love for it just spilled over to me, and that happens a lot. Like it's why I love board games. It's it's Trevor's fault. So, uh, <laughs> but it's it's you know, and and like there were so many great video games that were Lord of the Rings that I remember playing and and loving. Uh, and this is also another thing too. I love it in a trilogy. I did this the same or in a series of movies. I did the same thing with harry potter uh but where like i start out with having one character as my favorite character at the beginning and then by the time the, the the series is over like my mind is completely changed and this other character just rises up from the ashes and has become my all-time favorite character and that's what samwise did uh, i when i first watched it i was a legolas fan legolas was just so freaking cool right and he's yeah he still is don't get me wrong legolas is awesome <laughs> but you know he's doing all these cool stuff you know he's an elf um you know he's just a really cool fighter to watch he's just so swift and elegant in his moves and i remember that really appealing to me but then as i got older i would really start watching samwise and just how much of a true friend he was like the true bond of friendship and brotherhood and and all that like that was that just really hit me uh and that became like the most major part of those movies for me was was that was that uh friendship between those two uh, and, and how, I mean, literally one of my favorite lines in all cinema is I can't carry it, but I can carry you, you know, when he picks Frodo up because he can't carry the ring for him, but he can carry Frodo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how do you not watch that and not be moved? You know? So, uh, Lord of the Rings is very special to me. I am very pumped to talk about it today. No, it's going to be great. Yeah. There were a lot of great layers to it. And, and, you know, P- I mean, Peter Jackson's pretty awesome, right? The dude's, oh, yeah. He's the every man's man. I think like, I'm not like. I'm not here to be judgmental. When I first seen him, this dude's walking around it in, in like those '90s like basketball shorts, like <laughs> that, and they're all stretched out. He's got like yeah. this black shirt. He, his hair is all over the place. He's got a beard. I'm like, man, this dude's cool as heck. He's so relaxed. He's in his like <laughs> he's in his environment, and he's filming yeah. this movie like he's he's about to like dunk on somebody in the 1990s. Like, and you, got, and, you also, and you also got to remember where he came from too. I mean, I'm sure you'll talk about it. But, you know, like, he had a different background. Like, you wouldn't think that his next movies would be Lord of the Rings. Like, he was kind of in a horror era. Right, uh, right. Of stuff, so. Um, but he's done some other movies I really like since then. Obviously, the Hobbit trilogy. Uh, I even thought his his Kong was really good. I love uh, that version. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Um, but, all right, guys. Lots of personal history to go with this one. So, we're very, very excited. And uh, let us get into the history of the Lord of the Rings. By my life or death, I can protect you. I will. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. 
All right. You can't talk about the Lord of the Rings without talking about the founding father um, of not just Lord of the Rings, but uh, in many's opinion, uh, the father of modern fantasy, uh, which is really cool. John Ronald Raul, maybe uh, Tolkien. <laughs> All right. J.R.R. Tolkien is the man who created uh, this wonderful, wonderful Lord of the Rings brand. Um, you know, th- this 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 lore, this piece of entertainment that we all know and love to this day uh you know i getting prepared for this episode i, I mean i i sit and i i watch i, I watch all six movies and the t- like wow. one after another and i was like i was really impressed with myself but it was like uh you know that i was able to to do that because I, I my attention span is so short but you know really put it into perspective how how much this man like this man who who had like he never got to see these movies he never got to see his life's work become even bigger mainstream than it already was. And uh, it may be a little, it may be a little sad, but I, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, he was born in nine or excuse me, 1892, January 3rd, 1892. And uh, he, let's see, has a, like a wonderful resume, an English writer, poet, uh, philologist, uh, academic, and the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings were his life's work. Uh, he was really, really good friends with uh, C.S. Lewis, who, for those who don't know, uh, created the Chronicles of Narnia, which is yeah, another C- like yeah. whimsical C- fantasy story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. C.S. Lewis is another really, really great uh, writer. So the fact that they were friends when I found that out was mind blowing to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, these two giants of literature who are actually really good friends. I was like, whoa. Uh, um, side note: I don't know if anybody's ever read the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Highly yeah. recommend. I have not. Okay, I'll have to give that a look. I'll have to give that a look. It's literally about this uh, uh, this demon who's working for Satan, and he's trying to <laughs> corrupt this human soul. And he's and you're reading his letters to Satan. That's what it is, and it's so okay. good. So okay, okay, yeah, I'm definitely have to check that out. I like I like some I like C.S. Lewis's work, so I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. Uh, like any young man back in the early 1900s, when War came knocking. He went to it. I was trying to think of something catchy, some kind of catchy <laughs> phrase. He served in World War One for the British Army, uh, 1915 to 1920, uh, was the rank of lieutenant, and uh, he he came out of the war and and he was definitely a uh, definitely a changed person. He had seen some stuff and some things, and uh, and after that he was uh, you know he, he he took to writing and it became a a. Uh, you know, very prominent thing. He actually, uh, this is a really cool side, but too. Beowulf, which is a, uh, it's a pretty big story. I'm not super familiar with it. I know there's been movies. Uh, I know it's a big book. I had to read it in high school. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, I, I seen, so, I noticed some people did. I never had to, um, but it was a big thing, but he, he did a, uh, he undertook a translation of it, uh, which he finished in 1926, but did not, uh, publish. And then eventually his son published it in 2014, um, which was, uh, pretty significant but uh he let's see he did do some stuff some uh he did serve in the military a little bit in uh during the second world war but um by that time he'd already kind of established himself as a uh as a as a writer so the the very first this isn't his first story by any means but what we're focused on today is the hobbit and the lord of the rings and what i did not realize is that uh you know tolkien he never expected his stories to become very popular but uh, he wrote this, The Hobbit, actually for his children. And uh, in 1936, a, uh, 
an employee of the London publish uh, of a London London publishing firm caught wind of it and told him to produce it. And in 1937, The Hobbit was released. So um, that's I didn't realize it was that much before the Lord of the Rings. I, I do have to acknowledge that. So 1937, The Hobbit is released to the world and it does really, really well to the point where they're like, OK, you know, uh, we want a sequel. We want a sequel. <laughs> so Lord of the Rings, uh, he, he spends a long, long time working on the Lord of the Rings. In fact, um, the Lord of the Rings book, which was not released until 1954. Yes, 1954. He worked on perfecting it from 1937 to 1949. All right. That's how long it took him to establish this lore. This is like. And this is Which why many makes sense, right? Because if anybody's even looked at those books, it's not just the one story he's telling. Like he's like you said before, he's literally building a whole world with these yeah. books, like he a did. history history compendium. Yes, a place that he made up. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you see, like, like uh, I mean, I think look at Harry Potter for example. There's what seven books, and yeah. they seem to come out pretty, you know, pretty quick. It built a wonderful lore, but he was like, I'm going to establish this thing. And then put it all out to the world. Excuse me. And uh, yeah, and, and he did, man. It was, it, this is like, this is why many, you know, say it's, 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 it's so, it, it means more to his career than The Hobbit does because it is literally a, you know, his life's work. And, uh, you know, so The Lord of the Rings, you know, comes out. It's, uh, it was meant to be uh, a two, he wanted to release it as one story and then two. But because of like printing costs were so high, that's why it was split up into three stories, even though it's all uh, the same story. Each book actually is two volumes. Um, so there's three volumes, excuse me. Um, but each book is split up into two volumes. But and, and the reason why was because of printing costs were so high around the 1950s. But um, so in release order, it was uh, July 29th, 1954. The Fellowship of the Ring came out. November 11th, 1954. The Two Towers came out. And October of 19, 20th of 1955 was the final release of The Return of the King. And, uh, you know, it, it blew people away. This was the, the rebirth of interest in fantasy and fantasy lore. And it brought a lot of attention to it. A lot of different movies and uh, like cartoons and stuff, which I did mention briefly, came out. And uh, they did well. They did very well for itself. But, uh, you know, the most important, I think, media that came after these books was the movies which is going to be our main focus of this episode i think you also got to think about the time period when these books came out too uh you know uh world war ii which was obviously a huge event that the whole world was involved in yeah was very taxing and that's just putting it lightly on everyone i mean so many people lost their lives so much tragedy had happened during this this time uh and and it just ended in 45 so he's writing these and and coming up with this stuff as that's happening and uh, and releasing them just you know little not even a decade after it's it's over and people are still trying to rebuild from that uh and, and our human history has shown that you know sometimes we need something <laughs> you know yeah. we just need something that can help us uh maybe get our mind off the heavy stuff that's going on maybe a, an escape as they say uh, you know, a great example, even for right now, uh, during this pandemic that we're going through, uh, this is a very strange connection, but, you know, Animal Crossing for the Nintendo Switch became a huge hit. And yeah. that's because it came out right as this pandemic was happening and people needed something. 
you know, and it and it was a perfect timing and the perfect thing for that to be. And I think Lord of the Rings books is just kind of the same thing. I mean, you're coming into the fifties, uh, you know, this is like right before we're getting to the Cold War era. Uh, and this is between that and World War Two. So we kind of need something to to kind of help us, you know. Uh, no, it's, it's, I mean, that's honestly a great point. You definitely do need something to uh, bring people together. And like I said, movies and video games and even television weren't the, the be-all, end-all back then. People still, like, you know, it's, it, people read books this day, but it's not the major phenomenon that, you know, a major uh, source of entertainment like it was back in this era. And it really did, it, it brought people together, and it's so yeah, much crazy. still talk like this. <laughs> and that's I, just in. Lightless has it. left Middle-earth. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, but that's that's really. I mean, that's 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 how it was. And, and I'd love to be able to duplicate that at some point. Figure out how to duplicate it. I, I love I love nineteen fifties news anchor sports. What are just yeah. talk like that? It's it's so yeah, it's fun. It's aggravating <laughs> um, in the nicest way possible. So now we get into the life of uh, we get to Peter Jackson, who's been uh, who comes in this world. Just I'm going to quickly acknowledge him, obviously. Uh, he's born in October. Th- he's born on Halloween in 1961 in New Zealand. Uh, film director, producer, and screenwriter. And like I said, he's this dude's the every man's man. All uh, right, he he's not when he has to wear put out, throw on a suit. The man will throw on a suit, but he is all comfort. Uh, and he's uh, he kind of this is this. I'm sure this. I do not mean this is an insult, but he kind of for me put New Zealand on the map. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and all those countries, just how stunningly beautiful they are, and how just really great personalities uh, uh, people from from there seem to have. Uh, you know, some of my some of my favorite actors are from there. A lot of the Concords for crying out loud. Uh, you know, <laughs> those guys. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, so there's just you know what a great place. That's one place. If I got to visit anywhere, I think that's that's one place I would love to go visit. Oh, for sure. You know, and this is such a big important part too because. I remember watching the, the video documentaries and the reason like he, he was talking about like, oh, where would Middle Earth be if it was they you know, in, in our world? And New Zealand is technically and geographically Middle Earth. And they ended up using that for a lot of uh, use that for the, the center of attention for for I think all, if not most of the filming was done in, in his native New Zealand, uh, which is pretty cool. But uh uh, a man yeah, by the name of oh go ahead go ahead Trevor I was just I was just gonna say I don't think you're covering this uh from what I understand it was all filmed in New Zealand and it was I if I believe it still to this day holds the record for most consecutive days of of filming I think it was 274 days of filming and that's just unheard of like I mean the actors live there for basically a year they live yeah. in New Zealand <laughs> no almost I mean that's a long time to be away and film something but I mean that that payoff was real nice oh yeah by the time those releases came out. Uh, but Peter Jackson's interest in 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 doing the these films is uh, a man by the name of Ralph Bakshi, and I definitely mispronounced it. He made an animated feature uh, of the very f- the first half of the Lord of the Rings, and it it it, it was profitable, but it wasn't like uh, it wasn't enough to to make a sequel. But he had gone to see it, and uh, he liked he liked it, and there was some you know he went and ended up reading the books, and he's like, okay, I, someday I have to I have to make this so. Uh, in 1995 was when he started to pitch the idea of making a Lord of the Rings film. All right, went to Merrimax. Uh, you know, they 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 he pitched the th- the idea of three films, a trilogy, and they didn't really like it, so he ended up going to New Line Cinema, and uh, and you know they eventually went through with it. So 
Uh, production began on the, on the Lord of the Rings trilogy in 1997 with storyboarding and screenwriting. And, uh, you know, he, he just had this, this really, really cool approach to, to developing it. There was a lot of different actors that were in consideration. Like if you consider, like if you look back at this cast, it is a very significant cast that is probably on parallel, if not maybe a little bit more than, you know, the, the Avengers, the MCU cast and all that. And, and you're getting them all, most of them through three movies. They're, they're characters that, uh, you know, are relatable, easy, you know, easy to fall in love with. And they all have a, this, this fun road and story where, where you can, you know, where you can definitely see character growth. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean this this you did you did mention you know they filmed uh, let's say filming went from October eleventh nineteen ninety nine to December twenty second two thousand. Um, they did some pickup shots from 01 to 04, uh, but it was one of the biggest like film projects ever undertaken and, and probably still is to this day. And uh, you know I, I won't go too into detail. We could honestly we could, this episode could probably be three or four hours if we really wanted it to be. I know oh, Trevor yeah. I know Trevor said two hours. Uh, but it, it, you know, they, they released it and, it, it, and, and everything went, um, you know, it, it, it blew people away. It, it's, you know, we'll talk about it in the stats portion, but, uh, you know, they, they, they gather, they out, you know, they definitely gained back their, their budget and then some, which is, which is pretty significant. And I, like, I'm looking at this, yeah. this, this cast. Yeah. I mean, if, oh, you, if you think about it, they were taking a chance on this. I mean, they, they filmed all these at the same time, so it wasn't like they were going to release one and see how it did. Right, they, right. They did them all at once, so that had to cost a lot right there at the very beginning. Uh, they were taking a real shot, a real chance that these were going to take off. Uh, they, it could have it honestly just as easily failed, right? It, but it, oh, yeah. thankfully it didn't. Uh, and the cast, I mean, the casting on this is almost sheer per. I would actually I would say it is perfect. It's an, all, it's an absolute all-star cast. Yep. Yes. Uh, and these are some of these are people who were just kind of getting a career started too, you know. Uh, and some are like more established people, but you know, like Ian McKellen for for crying out loud, he's obviously been there and done that. But and, I mean, uh, Christopher Lee, you know, you had some stalwarts like that. And but then uh, you had like Orlando Bloom. This is the first time I remember ever seeing Orlando Bloom. Uh, you know, uh, but they Wait, did really Troy had... come out before this or after. Did what I Troy? I think he was. A, I think he was. I feel like it was Troy. after, right? You're probably. Yeah, I think I, Troy was after. I think. I think that's I think right. the reason I saw it was because he was in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, that's right. that's probably right. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah, even the greatest. Troy was 2004. Okay. Okay. So, but but I mean that's a, that's a great point. You got Viggo Mortensen, who's like who's been around for a while, but you know yeah, he's know who he was though <laughs> right 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 Elijah who almost who almost wasn't cast by the way yeah uh the, so I'm, there's a i more detail of, about that <laughs> yeah go into it here in a second but uh i watched i've watched so many documentaries on this on these movies uh there's so many great little stories you can find about this like uh i can't remember who they were but um you know they were filming all over new zealand right like it was all over the place some places you had to literally use a helicopter to get to yeah uh, that type of deal. Uh, so they were all everywhere for this. And uh, I remember one time some of the actors didn't make it to where they're supposed to go because their vehicle got stuck and ended up yeah. staying in this random person's house. <laughs> uh, and I could have imagined if like, if, if it was me or Trevor, who's that random person's house would be like fanboying out, you know, <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. Uh, and but- Sh- Sean Bean, you mentioned the helicopters. Uh, he, uh, he didn't like flying. <laughs> Right, and so he was hiking up mountains with full gear on to get to the next scene. I think he, I think he finally had to give in, but he was doing that for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's 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 a tough thing. It was a very exhausting shooting schedule. 
Um, like I said, it's a long time and in, 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 in traveling was obviously very, very difficult, but they all did yeah, it. And you're putting your, you're putting your life on hold for, for uh, over a year. Pretty yeah. much. Uh, you're literally moving over there, uh, you with, know, with no guarantee of a, a you know, a, a great payoff. Uh, right. I mean, obviously Peter Jackson was the right guy for it. And that, you know, it, he was like, I, I think if anybody else would have did it, it wouldn't, not just anybody else, but, um, you know, I think Peter Jackson had the best vision uh, for this because there was a lot of attempts. I didn't mention this. There were quite a few attempts at a live action Lord of the Rings uh, prior to this. And they just there was a lot of unfinished scripts and it just it just was not to be. But, yeah. Uh, and he was and he was pretty much set on keeping them as authentic to the books as it could too, yeah. which really helps because uh, he loved the books so much and he loved that world so much. He wanted to be as authentic as he as he could. And he you're going but you're going to leave stuff out. I mean, it's this books. There's, there's so much there. There was a lot that they left out. There was a lot that they expanded upon. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, the actors had a say in what their characters were. And they're like, oh, and, and I think Peter Jackson, this was a good thing that Peter Jackson did is he, you know, they added a lot of stuff in because the character, you know, the, the actors, the characters wanted to see their characters go in a certain direction. Um, you know, that there was a lot that uh, you know, a lot that that could be offered that that made this that, that really separated this from the books. Um, you know, one thing I remember too, because we used to watch the, the the video documentaries at the end of the DVDs, uh, the cave troll fight in the Mines of Moria. I think it was like half a page in the book, maybe a page, and they expanded it to you know in the movie to like a ten a ten minute debacle. You know, so yeah, it's a major it's, part of the movie. Yeah, it's a huge part. It's one of the most you know everybody's favorite one of a lot of people's favorite battles. Yeah. So I literally still quote to this day and they have a cave troll. Like I yeah. say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a great line, quite honestly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this movie did well. We're going to get into the numbers and the Matt stats portion, but this is not where it ends. This is not where the, the, the Lord of the Rings journey ends. You know, it's a it's a huge adventure movie and it really it gave me a sense of adventure. Like, you know, once I was finally able to to not be told when and where I can go out by my parents, man. I loved adventure in the spirit of, of this getting lost, just kind of going wherever uh, and, and the Lord of the Rings was a huge influence of that, but here we are. So several years, uh, many years later, uh, the Hobbit, they're in talks to do the Hobbit uh, original interest in filming the Hobbit started in 1995, but uh, you know, it, there's some litigation. There was a lot of stuff that, that occurred after the Lord of the Rings movies came out. Uh, with multiple people uh, suing New Line Cinema, including Jackson, uh, claiming that he lost revenue from merchandising, video and computer games, and and a lot of stuff released uh, uh, associated with those movies. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff that they had to go through. And uh, whatever eventually cleared out, they settled, and Jackson was back on, on, you know, in planning this this brand new, uh, what was originally supposed to be two movies, but eventually became three. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, I definitely, definitely botched his name. He was actually hired to direct the film, and the pre-planning for these movies was so exhausting, and there were so many changes. I mean, Jackson wanted this thing right, and this happened a lot with the original Lord of the Rings trilogy as well, where things would be changed on the fly. There was always constantly planning on top of shooting, and it became a bit much to del Toro, but... Uh, he had a script and, and all this ready to go. And, and in, I think in hindsight, he was glad that it didn't come to be. Uh, so, you know, but I'm still kind of interested in what that movie would have been. For me. Oh, very much. Del Toro is Del- a significant actor. Yeah, or, excuse uh, me, director. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's got, and he's and all his movies have a distinct feel to them. So I, I'm very curious what those movies would have been like. Oh, yeah. most certainly so. Uh, 
So, I mean, this is this is a, I, I like the idea the idea of doing a movie and then going back in time. Like, I love Star Wars for that reason. You did the you know the original trilogy and then you went back in time and did it. You ended up doing a trilogy to see what life was kind of like behind before that. And uh, you know, we get a, a movie sixty years before uh, the Lord of the Rings, which is when you know the books were. Uh, you know, that's when that's when the that was the the time distance between the books, you know, in the books as well. And, you know, we get this this other very, very magical story. They, they did, you know, uh, they expanded it. I mean, you guys have obviously read The Hobbit. It's the smallest book right. by a mile. And I was like blown away to hear that and to realize that, oh, my God, how is he going to stretch this into a trilogy? Um, <laughs> and he did a very good uh Jackson and company did a very, very good job of doing that. Uh, they were criticized for it, uh, for sure. That's one of the big criticisms I heard about. Of, and you still hear about that trilogy. But at the same time, you know, people criticize the original of the rings because it didn't have everything in it. So what do you want, people? Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm grateful. Uh, it was originally planned to be two movies. And, and yeah. I can understand, you know, watching the end of The Desolation of Smog, I was like, oh, man. Uh, you know, I was like, how are they going to get another movie out of this? But they did. They stretched it out. And, uh, you know, Battle of Five Armies is one of my, you know, favorite movies of all time. It's such a it's such a good story. And it's it. I, I still remember very well because I saw I think I saw most of the Hobbit movies with Trevor in the theater. If I'm thinking right. I know at I least saw so. most uh, at least two of them. Uh, I still remember when you see Smaug. I always call him Smaug because it's oh powerful Smaug uh, when he's <laughs> flying to the city as the movie's about to end, and he goes, "Oh," and it's you know Benedict Cumberbatch with that very incredible voice of his, just saying, "I am fire, I am death," you know that kind of. I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> yeah. I gotta wait a year to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it was a great cliffhanger, but like I said, like we said at the top of the show, at least it was only a year, not two to three years. Yeah, uh, which is you know I'm I'm very very grateful for, but uh, yeah. So the Hobbit, you know, they, they they go through with it, they stretch it out, and I, I think it's you know it's an amazing piece of cinematic work. And we didn't uh, even it, talk about the, the the music in those movies. No, we did. I mean, uh, I, those I, I soundtracks yeah. are incredible. Was this uh, yeah. short? Something sure. Howard Shore. Howard, Howard Shore. Shore. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still listen to those soundtracks. There's a, a bit of, you know, peace. You know, I, I love the, uh, you know, the the Shire and, and, and some of it. The, there's some really good feeling music to it, uh, oh, yeah. you know, that I would put on par with some of the work of John Williams, uh, you know, that he's done. I would too. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, very significant, uh, you know, music. It, it, music is like half the, right? I think if it get a, a good soundtrack, good original soundtrack, it helps make the movie even more. And, and uh, oh, they did such a good job. You know, they luck, used to, oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, like the John Williams score, I absolutely cannot imagine the Lord of the Rings movies without that score. Yeah, it's just such a part of it, and it gets me so excited. You know, when they get to the Mines of Moria, uh, you know, and the, they're crossing the what is it, the bridge of Cause of Doom, and just the, just there's ooh, certain ooh, music ooh, that's associated ha, with ha. the scenes. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's pretty good. <laughs> I spent and a he, lot of time mocking that. I'm like, oh. It makes, me want to, it makes me want to fight somebody. It legit makes yeah. me want to fight somebody. It, yeah. it gets you roused. And you know the Shire theme, which is just so peaceful, uh, that's actually based on um, the – there's a hymn. This is my father's world. This is my father's world. Like, it's such an epic thing, and it's just this little quaint hymn, um, which I'd heard before, and I never made that connection. So that was cool to me. Um, but it was just like it's, – it was perfect for the, the peaceful – you're just so relaxed when you're in the Shire and you're so tense when you're out of the comfort zone. 
um yeah it's i mean probably not surprisingly it's my favorite movie soundtrack of all time yeah although i could see star wars being considered maybe it's, the greatest of all time it's uh, got a certain you know. charm to it it's got, it really does you know the uh the starting off it, with, with both those movies lord of the rings and the hobbit starting off everything's so peaceful uh you're in the shire everybody's happy and then the further you get in the movies the darker they get yeah. And, it, yeah. it, you know, we got to see it. it. I mean, it changed Frodo. It changed Bilbo. It changed a lot of these, these, especially the Hobbit characters, too. It, it changed them. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't known for fighting uh, in, in violence and in, in stabbing orcs. And, and they, they, they were adventures yep. at that. Uh, they weren't well, known was, for that. I think that was Tolkien. Uh, I, I didn't read this. So I might be totally wrong. And maybe you know otherwise. But I feel like the Hobbits were sort of Tolkien reflecting his own self onto the characters. Because he was just a young lad, you know, um, growing up like pretty much anybody else. Maybe a little smarter than the rest of us, but basically. The same. <laughs> and uh, he's sent off to war and he sees his friends literally blown to bits beside him. Yeah. I, I know I read a story about him holding someone in his arms as they were dying, you know. Uh, the the landscape of, of Mordor, the it looks like a bombed out post-World War setting. Which I is, agree with that. I think very, very intentional. And, you know, the hobbits, like you said, they're just so changed by the journey. Um, I think that's got to be Tolkien reflecting his own, how he changed after the war. And if you look back at the movies too, this is how I know if a movie stands up to time, to the test of time. And I say these do, because I can go back and watch them and still feel these same emotions when I'm watching them, even though I know what's coming. I know these scenes are coming. Like at the very, you know, near the end of, of Return of the King, uh, you know, when they're all bowing to the king and the hobbits go to bow and, you know, and they're told, no, you bow to no one. Like, that still hits me, you know? Yeah. I like bought this- like a baby last time. I didn't expect to. I just couldn't help it. <laughs> yeah, just so <laughs> that's freaking That's like the incredible. fifth time I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so that's how I know when a movie's good. And thankfully, we're very blessed to have a lot of movies that do that, that hold up like that. Uh, but there's also plenty of movies that don't. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's man. And I still, <laughs> I meant to say this in my memories, but I want to say this real quick about the Return of the King. Me and Trevor saw Return of the King together. We were in the theater, and if you remember how the Return of the King oh, ends, yeah. there's like at least three false finishes to this movie, <laughs> where like you know, like there's a slow fade out, and it just kind of stays on a black screen for a little bit, literally. Two different times we saw the entire theater get up and act like they were going to walk out because I thought the movie was over. <laughs> it is one of the hit most. I think it's it's the most. It's it's a very long ending. It's a fitting ending yeah. for this trilogy, but it's a troll. I it's a troll. Feel, us. Oh, for it's sure. A des- it's a deserved ending for those poor hobbits that were all that went through. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh my yeah. god, yeah. But there was definitely like there. I felt like there was some stuff that they could have trimmed up just a little bit. <laughs> uh, I think it was like a, the ending was like twenty minutes long and. <laughs> It was like watching the the Undertaker like walk to the ring for the last time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? It's like okay, come on, man. Or like when Willy Wonka walked out at the in the in the original movie, he took like forever. It's like come on, man. We know. Yeah, you, you know what? You're right. Like uh, Undertaker is a great, a really strange but great like comparison here. I just pulled that he, one on my ass too. I just, like, <laughs> which is a weird place to hold it, but uh, <laughs> like he he literally has one of the most iconic wrestling entrances ever. Right, like, and you're in awe every time you see it. But then there's at some point I do this. I know, even though I'm sitting here in awe of this amazing thing. And at one point, I'm like, okay, you can you can get to the ring now. <laughs> <laughs> but he's sitting there yeah. walking slower than I do. And 
event. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's. But I still. But you're right that any of these movies. I mean, Star Wars is definitely guilty of this. Uh, the Marvel movies are guilty of this, where they're really, really long, and they probably could have cut some stuff. But at the same time, it's also really neat to go back and watch the extended yeah. versions too at the same time so oh, for sure and it probably meant a lot to the actors too who i mean endured so much stuff and then you know th- there's a lot to there's a lot to the overall yeah. filming of the movie that just became able to kind of relax and then christopher the and yeah. then christopher lee like like he was kind of hurt at the first cut the theatrical cur- uh, cut of the one movie because a lot of his stuff was cut out of it right uh and you don't really even see what happens to his character overall uh, right. but in the extended right. version like you definitely see all of it and it's so good and he's That's, such a and he was such a great actor. He and was. The extended version was, I and mean, I might have the sequence wrong, but the, what we call the extended version was always what Peter Jackson planned to be the movie. But basically, the the film company's like, no, we we're not putting this in the theater, you know. <laughs> but they apparently they let him keep filming. So from what I understand, he was still filming in New Zealand while the movies were being released, like around the world. But he's still filming to finish up his full version of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Jackson's a hardworking dude, hard which working, is something yeah. you don't really see anymore, right? Except for maybe like the the Snyder cut that's coming out soon of the Justice League, where you know they let Snyder go back and film stuff that he wanted to film besides what was put out. Uh, that movie, I think it's a raw deal, but that's a, another topic for another time. <laughs> um, but the, but you're right, Trevor. It's pretty incredible overall that Jackson's vision is what we get to see. Um, yeah, with very little uh, tampering from the studios. Yeah, that's a, you hear that's all a fantastic. You, you hear point. all of these horror stories of all these movies that could have been something completely yeah. different than what we got. I mean, this Justice movie, League is a great example. This movie is just like. Uh, oh, by the way, I, we we rewatched uh, the Fellowship of the Ring last night. That's what we ended up watching, um, which was a, was a nice thing for me because my sister in law, my wife's younger sister, she saw the movies when she's really little or at least part of them. And she's always kind of had a negative opinion. And I told her, I, I said, I know, I, I just know you would like them if you watch them now. And I could never convince her. Anyways, we watched fellowship of the ring last night. And at the very end of it, she's like, wow, that was really good. <laughs> but, uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, Gladriel's character says that the, uh, Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. The, the fellowship, the journey, the quest, I can't remember the word she uses. It hangs on the edge of a knife. And there's so many times in these movies where things went slightly different, or in the books, the original books, if things went slightly different, it would all fall apart. I feel like the movies are the exact same way. If they, you know, if Viggo Mortensen wasn't cast as Aragorn, I think it could have seriously hurt the movie. If the music was just off, it could have gone wrong. If the producers said, nope, you're, we're cutting your budget, you're just going to have to finish it up, yeah. it would have fell apart. If those Eagles had just shown up sooner, we could have cut out like half the movie. <laughs> Yeah, and it would have fell apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's just so many things that could have gone wrong, is, is the point I was making, like you were saying. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, you know, it, it, last, I mean, with The Hobbit, really quick before we get into the stats portion of the show, you know, that, with The Hobbit, the, the filming was went exactly the same way. Uh, they went from March 21st, 2011, and uh, all the way to July 6, 2012. That was the last. That, that They did some additional stuff. Um, as well, of course, but, uh, but yeah, a, a long, long road, and it, the, the again, the payoff was significant, uh, you know, for these characters. So, uh, 
that's the Lord of the Rings in a nutshell, everybody. Like I said, I, we could, this show could be very, very long uh, if we wanted it to be. And uh, we don't want to do we don't want to we don't want to bog it out with too much. But there's a lot. You know, we like what we like to do these episodes, is give you the simple rundown, offer some cool stuff and then let you guys do a little bit exploring yourself. You guys and gals, um, you know, whatever you, you know, however you want to go about it. But on that note, let us get into the Matt's stats portion of uh, the show. everybody Matt stats portion uh there's some, there's some good juicy good stuff to, to go about uh so let's start off with the uh with the movies as far as production budgets and and and, and what they've they reaped financially so December 19 2001 the very first Lord of the Rings uh the Fellowship of the Ring 100 million uh 109 million dollar uh, production budget an opening weekend 47 million uh, 47.2 million earned uh, the domestic box office was uh, $315.5 million, and worldwide it earned about $887.2 uh, million. So pretty good numbers. You know, didn't that's a, that's a hit. <laughs> I definitely say so. They got their money's, uh, their money's worth back from it. A uh, little surprising that it, it didn't cross the billion-dollar mark. But I'm sure it would be probably right at a billion today, wouldn't it? Like maybe even over a billion. Oh, counting inflation and stuff? It, yeah. Uh, ticket prices are probably four or five dollars higher now. That's that's certainly true. I don't know if this equates for inflation. It might, but but honestly, it 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 probably it definitely is. Uh, the two towers, ninety four million dollar budget, sixty two million uh, earned an opening weekend, so it gained a lot of its money back. You know what blows me away about that? What's is that? If you watch those two movies, like they're obviously they're both great, Lord of the Rings, and then the Two Towers. Just from the scope of Two Towers and everything they do, you would think that'd be the more expensive movie. Oh, from a production standpoint, absolutely. Yeah. More characters. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more to it. Just for the battle of Helm's Deep, for crying out loud. You oh know. My, yeah. That thing's, re- that thing's really cool, too. I was always amazed that, that, that the overall shot of Helm's Deep was just a mini sculpture of uh, of it. And then everything else was, like, it was oh, so cool. It's still yeah. huge, though, for a sculpture, but it is miniaturized. <laughs> it is. It's it, Yeah. The, you're absolutely right. I was like, oh, man, I, I'd love to play toys and something like that. Like, yeah, yo, yes. give me, <laughs> give me all the light, the Lord of the Rings figures. Let's all go play toys in the in the in the Helm's Deep structure. Yep. Um, <laughs> it earned, yeah, it earned sixty two million dollars uh, an opening weekend, three hundred forty two point five, uh, five hundred, yeah, three hundred forty two point five million uh, domestically and internationally, nine hundred nineteen million it earned back. Return of the King. The big, the big climax, the big finale, which was, you know, which was really, really significant. Lots of battles, the culmination of everything. Ninety-four million dollar budget here as well. Uh, it earned seventy-two point six million and opening weekend, three hundred seventy-seven point eight 
million domestically. And here we go. They crossed the billion, uh, $1.1 billion, uh, a little bit more than that in the, uh, in the worldwide box office. So the last now, is one, it, is it return of the King? The one actually won awards too? like it won Oscars. They all won yeah. awards. They all won awards, but I mean, return of the King was like, it was a masterpiece. I don't have exactly all of those, you know, those award nominations and what that, but it was, um, uh, it did. It did. I did write that down just in case you didn't include it in the stats. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, it won 11 Academy Awards, which tied the record with Titanic and I think it was Ben-Hur. Um, I think it still holds that record, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, 11, including the picture of the year. Uh, and deservedly so. And that's yeah. good for an action movie because, I mean, like action movies, uh, fantasy, especially even. fantasy more so, yeah. they don't get that kind of love. Superhero movies don't really get that kind yeah. of love. I remember the Dark Knight getting snubbed and everybody being yeah, like very really? mad about it. Right. I think right. the Lord of the Rings was snubbed for two years in a row, and I think it was it was pretty triumphant for a lot of people when it won basically everything uh, the final year. <laughs> yeah, and, and said deservedly so. Uh, and then here we are. So we're going nine years in the future, uh, release of December 14th, 2012. The Hobbit, an, unex- an unexpected journey uh, with the production budget that's nearly it's, – it's a little bit more than doubled – uh, it's a very expensive production budget and Trevor alluded to it. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of CGI in this case. There's very few sets. It's, it's more so CGI and you could definitely tell um, that it's, that it's different, but a $200 million production budget for the, uh, for an unexpected journey, 84.6 million reaped in, op- in opening weekend, 303 million domestically and 1 billion uh, at the worldwide, a little bit more than one billion at the worldwide box office. So it still did fine. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. it definitely still did fine. Uh, but it, yeah, it cost a tremendously amount more. Uh, the Desolation of Smog came out on December thirteenth, twenty thirteen. Two hundred fifty million dollar budget, Ooh. with seventy three million, seventy three point six million earned in opening weekend. But think of how great those special effects are. I mean, Smaug himself is a freaking work of art. It uh, holds it up well today. It honestly yeah. holds up well today. Where I go and look back at, like, uh, like the King Kong from 2007, and I know that's a, a lot further away than The Hobbit was, and yeah. King Kong is like, ooh, ooh, I'm seeing some stuff. Yeah, a little rough. I still appreciate it, but it's a little I rough. Mean, even, Lord of the, even Lord of the Rings has some spots in it. If you go back and watch, it's like, yeah, they could probably do that better now. Oh, um, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that, that's, that's going to be, that's, that's just how movies are going to be. We're always going to look right. back at special effects and be like, ooh, that was a little rough. It doesn't look, it doesn't look as good as I remembered it. Uh, domestically at the box office, the Desolation of Smog pulled in $258.2 million, And in the worldwide box office, a bit of a dip, $960.2 million there. But again, still a profit, you know, still really good. Uh, the last movie, December 17th, 2014, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, $250 million budget, $54 million. That is the, um, aside from the, the very first one, The Fellowship, that is the, lo- that's the second lowest one, uh, $54.7 million opening weekend at the box office. Domestically, $255.1 million earned, you know, in the country. And worldwide, $943.3 million earned and that so those are the movies the books have sold uh you know there are so many there's so many different uh you know takes as far as far as how many books were actually sold but uh you know there's it's it's in the millions uh as of like 2010 it was like 150 million so i'm sure that's jumped you got to keep in mind that's pre-hobbit 
So once these movies come out, there's a renewed interest in the book. So it could be around 200 to 250 at this point. Again, don't quote, completely quote me on that, but um, that is a rough estimate. Lord of the Rings, the books have been translated into about into 50 languages, which is uh, pretty significant. It's, it's uh, ranked as one of the best-selling books of all time. And, uh, and, and in some cases, Amazon customers rated it the book of the millennium. Uh, so it's probably, it, it might be the definitive piece of literature of the uh, 20th century. As far as, uh, there's been a plenty of video games. There's actually like 30 or so video games in the, uh, in the Lord of the Rings, you know, saga. There's, you know, the very first one was uh, in 1982. It was just called The Hobbit. It was, a, it was a computer game. And they decided to kind of go, you know, expand upon that. And, and, and while the bad games outweigh the good games, the good games are really, really good. I know you guys talk video games on Retro Blist a bunch. And, uh, you know, but 30 video games, I don't have sales statistics, but, you know, the movie games for Lord of the Rings, I do got to acknowledge are probably some of the best movie video games that I've ever played. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and like they hold up well. I'm still playing uh, Two Towers and Return of the King to this day on the PS2. Uh, and there's been some other ones like Shadow especially of if you like yeah. especially if you like beat 'em ups and stuff those are fantastic uh and shadow uh shadow motor is really really good too uh, yeah. i i played the crap out of that game yeah so i don't have sales statistics for that but like i said they do very well very well they're held in high regard uh i'll look and see like people discussing it to this day on social media and people like man i wish they would re-release this or or man you know can they put this out to like they could do like a, a you know how like playstation they, they uh they'll put out old video games obviously there's licensing stuff that'll that'll prevent that but they do hope that <laughs> that's where it gets be- that's where it gets sad right the whole licensing thing uh hate it hate it uh, yeah it's so annoying i i mean just even from like a ninja turtle game standpoint i would love to see those re-released but there's a whole licensing thing uh where uh, uh you know like uh th- there's a big deal that there was a scott pilgrim game that came out uh not too long ago like it was uh maybe like 10 years ago or so yeah but then the then they lost the license to put that game out so that game was gone it just disappeared and yeah. the big deal is that it's coming back people are very excited about it i think the same thing would happen for those Lord of the rings games yeah. oh for sure i mean it's a shame when 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 it, this wonderful piece of entertainment is put out there and you know there's a whole generation of people that won't get to yeah. won't get to appreciate it because it's it's not carried over uh, in Lord of the Rings, the, the movie video games are definitely a uh, a series of games. I didn't care for the Fellowship of the Ring game, but... I think that was a different developer, not even the same I, I think it was team. as well. I think it was as well. But yeah, Two Towers and Return of the... Uh, Ret- I almost said Return of the Jedi. Jesus. Return, <laughs> of, the, Return of the King. Uh, very, very highly regarded. And, and I, I think people deserve to play those ones. And, and I mean, I've played so many bad movie video games that, that, oh, that we were so to. derivative <laughs> of the plot yeah that's mm. your guy's job uh but they were so derivative of the plot <laughs> that it's like yo Karate i can't Kid. do this yeah. <laughs> a lot of star wars ones that i'm like oh god i can't do this but uh but yeah so that is the mad stats portion we're gonna get into the johnny and trevor's did you know my waking eyes then let us be rid of it once and for all Come on, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry it for you. But I can carry you. Come on!
right. So for the Johnnies, did you know I'm about to talk? I'm going to sound a lot like Trevor. I'm just going to give that <laughs> away. I'm going to sound just like Trevor as I'm talking now, but just bear with me. I'm going to do my best Trevor impression. Here I go. All right. So first of all, I'd like to say uh, that Trevor's just the best person I've ever known. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, I Johnny have some uh, some facts for you for Lord of the Rings. Uh, Matt alluded to this earlier, but at one point the producers wanted the movie to be just one film. Um, no one would agree to three films, uh, at least not initially. But originally, even the the movie we got was going to be just one film. At least that's what the producers wanted. And they were going to tell a lot of the story through flashbacks. And it was going to be Frodo was going to be having these flashbacks, basically. So uh, the Mons of Moria sequence, which is just so awesome, um, Peter Jackson said it was going to be something like Frodo would say, so we went on a dangerous journey through the Mons of Moria and we lost Gandalf. You know, and that was going to be it. <laughs> wow. Thanks, yeah. Ian McKellen. Thanks for coming, Ian McKellen. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, such, obviously he thought that. And that's such an iconic moment right where right gandalf is clinging to the to the cliff and he goes run you oh, fool. yeah fire I mean, you what, fools yeah yep. what a what a, an iconic moment and man i couldn't imagine it just being like a, a one line no <laughs> there's so there's so many times this could have fell apart i can't even imagine how much jackson fought to, and it's amazing that to the producer's credit and a new line and everybody involved it's amazing they pretty much let him do it you know because there's so many times it could fall apart uh, but Sean Connery turned down the role of Gandalf because he just didn't get it. Um, <laughs> and even <Second> Trebek. Ah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and even recently, uh, he said that uh, he, he just didn't get it. His pay, his pay was going to be 15% of the trilogy's income. So um, that would have been the payment of a wow. lifetime, obviously. <laughs> Wow. I mean, three billion, over three billion was the gross. Of the I, I am, I'm incredibly glad that we got Ian McKellen to do it because he's perfect for it. <laughs> yeah. But I could not imagine, like, don't get me wrong, you know, rest in peace to Sean Connery, who just sadly just passed away not too long ago. Yeah. But, you know, he obviously did well for himself considering. But could you imagine if you think back, man, that's a lot of money that I didn't. <laughs> yes. I just, uh, even if I didn't get it, I'd do it anyway. Yeah. I'm trying to picture him. I could. I. I can't picture him as Gandalf. Ah, yeah. suck it, Balrog. <laughs> <laughs> you shall not pass. <laughs> Bloody. Oh. Fool of the Took. Yeah, I, I just. I, I. I can't buy him as as Gandalf. I can't. There's, was, there's so many things I hear, and I think, man, would the movie have just been terrible if this had happened? I mean. I don't know. We're just so lucky is all I'm saying. I'm we so are. lucky that it turned out how it did. We are. So, Johnny, this will make you sad. Uh, Nicholas Cage was about to be airborne. <laughs> yes. Uh, he turned it down, which Man. may not have been a great career move on his part. <laughs> I will say, though, despite my feelings of Nicholas Cage, I would watch that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just out of sheer curiosity, I would watch uh, The Lord of the Rings with, with him cast in it. Johnny, some of the movies we've seen with Nicolas Cage, like <laughs> Left Left Behind, for example. Yes. <laughs> Do you think that was a good career move on his part to turn down that role of Aragorn? Um, I just don't know. Yeah. You know? I I kind of think this is this is strange, but I kind of think Nicolas Cage has got this area to himself in which people just love him now. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's kind of because of the choices he's made. I yeah. mean, he was once famously going to be Superman, you know, and then that never oh happened. My God. And now all you see is all these pictures of him in a Superman suit. 
He gave, but, hey, he gave up the Lord of the Rings to be Ghost Rider, pretty much. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Optimism. We, we all make choices. I Optimism. Mean. <laughs> uh, Peter Jackson, though, he wanted Viggo Mortensen, as we know, who, of course, was Aragorn. And in my opinion, was one of the central pieces of the heart and soul of the movie. And, um, but Viggo Morrison didn't want to do it because he just didn't know anything about Lord of the Rings. And I think this is pretty popular. A lot of people know this, but when Viggo Mortensen's son found out that the movie he was turning down was Lord of the Rings, he looked his dad in the face and said, you have to do this. He said, you don't understand. You have to do this. So he ended up doing it because of his son and we got Aragorn. And on a similar story, the reason that uh, the guy who played Mario in the Mario movie took that movie is because his son said he had to do it. <laughs> well, again, equally good. I mean, yeah, kids, kids say to do good stuff all the time. It's a hundred percent success rate. <laughs> now, Trevor, I don't. I hope I'm not taking this away from you, but I also heard that uh, Russell Crowe was in uh, possible. It was a possible actually, thought. Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think I wrote that one down. But that's true. Um, I think he just turned it down as well. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, they wanted to ride his popularity. He had just done uh, Gladiator around that time or something I, like that. Yes, and he was excited about doing it because of Gladiator, but something just didn't work out, I think, maybe scheduling-wise. Yeah, so I can't, another lucky break. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it, no, seriously, just I can't I can't take Russell Crowe. He just wants to punch everybody in the face. And, <laughs> yeah. Every time I think about him, I just think about that South Park episode where he's got oh. With the, the, the tugboat. Tug boat. The yeah, tug boat. That's all I think about. <laughs> and he's sitting there just trying to beat different things up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, speaking of Viggo Mortensen, um, I don't know how much you guys know about him, but he's, besides Lord of the Rings, which again, he finally gave in because of his son, he tends to just take roles that he finds to be intriguing or artful, you might even say. He doesn't do a lot of, like, he probably wouldn't do a Marvel movie, you know just being honest he probably wouldn't unless unless his son told him to maybe i don't know but (laughs) um he takes his acting very seriously and there's several stories for example in two towers there's a scene where he kicks an orc helmet they're searching for marion pippin and he kicks an orc helmet and he and he yells out in pain well that's because he just broke two of his toes (laughs) (laughs) and peter jackson said that any other actor would have just said ow or, or cussed or whatever and broke the scene but he was such a serious actor, he played it off and made it part of the scene. Um, and there was another time when he broke his tooth in half during a fight scene, and he insisted it be super glued so they can continue filming. <laughs> what a tough guy. Yeah. Wow. He makes me look like a, a real a real cream puff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have been, a couple of times I'd be just like on the ground in tears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> About my tooth. My tooth. Just cancel yeah. the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cancel it all. I'd walk off set. <laughs> so. I, I guess I try to pick things that maybe everybody doesn't already know, but I realize now that they have, they focus on people who did not get to play Aragorn. <laughs> uh, because my other fa- one other fact is Vin Diesel auditioned to be Aragorn and wanted to be Aragorn. <laughs> and, and this is like, <laughs> you know, like when a Southern mama will be like, oh, bless their heart. They yeah. tried, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Here's Peter Jackson's quote. He said he found his performance very compelling but it just didn't feel like Aragorn. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's probably putting it being very nice. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my sword. Uh, we're a family. Uh, uh, sword. Uh, I am Kurt. I am Kurt. I will say, uh, we're all making fun of Vin Diesel because he's a, he's a strange dude. Like, he's a strange cat. Uh, but uh, 
He's got plenty of money. <laughs> like we can make fun of him all oh, we want. That oh, dude's yeah. rich as crap. He did all uh, right. We, he, he did, did all right. right for himself. No, uh, I just literally, I literally cannot imagine him as Aragorn. No, you know what's really weird but... though? He's done some really good stuff. Oh, uh, he definitely has. Yeah. I mean, he was the voice of the robot in uh, what's that animated movie? It's amazing. Oh yeah. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it. I'm going to be mad at myself for uh, it. Uh, Wally, is it? No, no. <laughs> Grief. It was before Wally. Uh, but anyway, uh, he did... Iron Giant. Iron Giant. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. He did that. He's Groot for crying out loud, and uh, and he was in uh, Saving Private Ryan. So the dude's yeah. does it's, and he was good at it. And you know he's helped. And he the might fast, have been able yeah. to pull it off. You never know. He may, he may be. I mean, he's helped the Fast and Furious movie franchise go like eight films longer yeah. than it should have. So <laughs> yeah. they're literally they're literally going to space next time. They've said that they're going to wow. space. Yeah, I. <laughs> I I can't wait. <laughs> Over under if one of them punches a space rocket. <laughs> one of them's got to punch a rocket into space. So speaking of space, uh, Christopher Lee, um, who Johnny mentioned earlier, was a, a juggernaut of acting. You know, you may not have seen him in a lot of popular Hollywood movies, but he's just as serious of an actor as they come, really. Oh, <laughs> my computer, my phone just thought I said Siri. I said serious. <laughs> Anyways, um, he wanted to play Gandalf. He was a mega fan of Lord of the Rings, a mega fan. He wanted to play Gandalf so bad that he took um, a role in the TV show, The New Adventures of Robin Hood, uh, just to show that he could play a wizard like Gandalf. And he played a wizard <laughs> in that show. Interesting. Yeah. And of course, he was very happy uh, eventually to be Saruman, but he really. Uh, I think even before there was ever talk about the Peter Jackson trilogy, he wanted to play Gandalf in a movie. Um, so he was just an absolutely massive Lord of the Rings fan. I think up into his death, even uh, he was just so excited to talk about this, these films and be yeah. in these films. Yeah. And what a career he had an incredible career. I mean, Oh man, he, he's Count Dooku for crying out loud. Yeah. I, I love look, watching old Christopher Lee stuff. Cause he has this, like uh, we talked about when we talked golden girls, like he has this like old, like traditional, just appeal about him, like old traditional theatrical acting appeal about yeah. him. And he does, uh, he does, he has a, his, his list of work is, is, is second to almost none. He has a really incredible track record. Oh yeah. So mother nature actually deleted a scene from the fellowship of the ring, deleted an entire action sequence. So, you know, in the books, the, uh, uh, I was at the Anduin river. I'm, I'm blanking. Um, anyways, there was going to be a scene where orcs ambushed the fellowship going down the Anduin River in boats, and there's going to be boats flipping over in the water and just an awesome battle scene. And it was ready to go, but New Zealand had some crazy flooding and it literally washed it away before they filmed it. <laughs> so oh, we no didn't, kidding. So we didn't get that scene. I'm probably grateful for that in hindsight. I think the way that the, the, the movie flowed, I think it was nice that it was just a, a little peaceful, um, a peaceful ride down the river i think in hindsight yeah. it was and it set up for it a really end. cool amon hen fight too like yeah. that, that's that was significant because it doesn't end in people it ends fairly violently <laughs> <laughs> so here's one that blew me away a little bit i didn't I, I didn't know this until just when i was researching this time there and i just watched the fellowship last night and i totally noticed it but i've never noticed it before and i never would have if i didn't read this so i hope this doesn't ruin anything for y'all but i find it fascinating there's a marsh scene. It's short, but in the in the first movie, in the Fellowship of the Ring, where they're going through an actual swamp, Sam's pony Bill was two people in a horse costume. 
<laughs> because this was an actual swamp and they couldn't get the horse in the actual swamp. <laughs> I want to find this. <laughs> you can tell when you find it. It lasts like literally two to three seconds. Oh, the reason, man. I think the reason it's so short is they said it was incredibly difficult. The actors were totally blind. They couldn't see where they were going. It's an actual marsh, an actual swamp they're going through. And they said at one point, one actor was like stretching the horse one direction. And so it was like a long crooked horse. <laughs> so the final scene is only a couple seconds where you see the horse. And you can, knowing it, you can tell, but you couldn't tell if you didn't know it. But oh, yeah. man. Um, a lot of the riders of Rohan were women with fake beards. Uh, Viggo Mortensen said that there's a lot of uh, great female riders in New Zealand, and so it would have been silly not to not to use them. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the last one I have, and this is another one of those moments where I honestly think the movies could have been ruined. The, the legacy would have been ruined. It might have been awesome at the time. Frodo was originally going to straight up murder Gollum at the end of The Return of the King. He was going to straight up push him into the into Mount Doom. <laughs> I might have. Pres- oh, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Well, well, I was just going to say Peter Jackson thought that's what people wanted, and it was what people wanted, I think. Um, but it was not at all faithful to to Tolkien's story, and so actually they filmed it where he murders Gollum at the end. He kills him, push it with the ring, pushes them both into the fire. You know, he's sort of the triumphant hero at the end, which is what it's what we all want. You know, you see Frodo go through so much, but we know what we actually saw was a lot more nuanced, you know, a lot more, I guess, hard to digest where Frodo kind of fails at the end. His power finally fails. He decides he's going to keep the ring Mm. and almost through dumb luck is what it seems like. Gollum charges and almost kills them both, but ends up Gollum and the ring just fall in, you know? Yeah. I kind of like the way that they went because uh, this whole time, if you're really watching the movie, Gollum's a tragic figure. Yes. He he's all, he's just a tragic figure. Comparable I mean, you, to like Darth Vader and, and many others. He he is. You feel sorry for him. Yeah, you feel sorry for him. And it just doesn't seem like Frodo would be someone who would just straight up murder somebody. No. Uh, so uh, you know, especially since he had shown uh, sympathy to Gollum th- during the whole thing. So uh, yeah, I yeah, they didn't go that route. <laughs> they well, and, movie and, for me. and Tolkien actually got uh, sort of I guess beef you would say for the way that the books ended. Um, they fans would actually write him in and say they just they were so confused why Frodo failed in the end basically you know and I love uh, Tolkien basically said that he wanted to show that no matter how good someone is no matter how strong they are you can't defeat all the powers of evil by yourself right and so Gollum intervening was sort of his his way of showing an unseen force stepping in and having mercy basically because Frodo's strength finally failed um, which I thought was kind of beautiful. And if you really watch the, the movies and read the books, his strength fall, uh, fails all the time. Uh, he just happens yes. to be have really good friends around him who really help him. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting progression, like the character growth yeah. thing. So that's, that's what made me surprised that they didn't go with the route of him just straight up killing Gollum. Because, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, I've, Frodo's like, obviously Frodo's very pure, but like you go and watch the Hobbit movies and Bilbo's very... Uh, you know, he's different. Very, yeah. he's, he's different. He's, he's a lot more aggressive. He's like ready for a fight where Frodo's like, uh, I got stabbed again. Uh, you know, it, it, well, <laughs> Frodo in Fellowship of the Ring, it just hit me yesterday when we were while you're watching it. He he actually tells Bilbo at Rivendell when Bilbo's, you know, finally old and gray. He said, I'm not like you, you know. Yeah. He actually tells Bilbo that, and it's it's pretty accurate. Oh, yeah. one, one more thing. Um, 
the American Film Institute named Fellowship of the Ring the second greatest fantasy film of all time. What I think is interesting is it's sandwiched between The Wizard of Oz and It's a Wonderful Life. So their definition of fantasy is very broad. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yes, it is. I yeah. would definitely say Wizard of Oz is fantasy. Oh, yeah. Like I have and no I, problem thinking that's fantasy. I guess It's a Wonderful Life is, is someone imagining a fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I, from that standpoint, I could probably talk into it, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's kind of uh, odd. <laughs> but even still, just to be mentioned with those two films, which are iconic movies, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Fellowship, obviously, there's, there's there's a lot to be desired at the end of it, and that's why they, they go the trilogy route, of course. But, I mean, it is. It's a beautiful piece of film that, you know, that's really where you see all the happiness and, and, the, and the good in the world, and it just, you know, it gets dark, really dark towards the end, and everybody splits off. I mean, I, I, looking at it as a, as a single piece of, film history I, I can definitely see why it is amongst you know three of the greatest so um yeah. you know some of the greatest films so that's really cool yeah Very i read good. a review i read a review uh it's, it's funny reading reviews from the time they came out because people just saw it so differently yeah in some ways but one review said uh that it was almost like an art house film in the way it ends because it's so bleak <laughs> you know the fellowships one two of the fellowship are dead you know as far as you know at least you know gandalf and boromir right the fellowships failed and it's just sam and frodo alone it's just almost like an art house film the way it ends it was <laughs> yeah it was cool the way it was it, it it was you know how they kind of just split up i mean obviously if you read the books you knew it was coming but right yeah um it was just kind of cool and like the, their journey wasn't quite done yet so nope. i i well, love the way it, i i honestly <laughs> i love the way it was you know it, it played out it made me enjoying the video games that much more you know, uh, I mean, just quick side bit, Return of the King, after you beat the game, you can play as any of the characters on any of the different levels. So it's kind of cool to imagine like, hey, <clears throat> what if Aragorn was with, you know, Frodo and Mount Doom instead of, you know, it, it, it leaves a little bit to the imagination. And I, I think I like that. And that's part of the mm -hmm. appeal of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But oh, yeah, for sure. But, all right, everybody, let's head on to and uh, wrap this episode up and uh, discuss Lord of the Rings impact on pop culture today. I am a serpent of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnor. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Ungun! Go back to the shadow! Like I think we talked, we've talked, you know, a little bit here and there about, you know, what this film did. You know, we talked about the the intense filming schedule, the frequent releases, and it set a bar very, very high. You know, uh, people don't want to wait on stuff very long, and we're impatient as it is. But uh, you know, I think that the fact, like I said, I said it towards the top, the fact that Lord of the Rings released year after year after year, you know, people gravitated towards that. You know, it's it's a long time to sit six years for a trilogy to complete. Where I'd rather do, you know, like a two year span, like like this pretty much was. Um, it's uh, you know, obviously we we talked about how J.R.R. Tolkien is is referenced as the you know the the father of modern fantasy, and it's true. 
uh, it, it honestly, it, it's 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 quite honestly true. You, you did see a boom of fantasy stuff in the fifties, right? I mean, we, comic books had been waning in, in popularity around that time. Uh, it was more horror based, or superheroes were kind of falling out of favor. But Tolkien brought, you know, in book form, you know, this 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 revolutionary way of fantasy. Um, one that I had not really heard previously. You know, you hear myth, old old myths yeah. and stuff, and but it wasn't the same as as what Lord of the Rings was. I think know? his world building is what really set it apart. Is yes. how well he built this world, and, and it was done so well that anything after it was compared to it. Yes, that, that's that's hundred percent true. I mean, my favorite part of the books was completing them and looking in the back, and there's a map for like. He didn't have to do that. There's a map of Middle Earth, and you could yeah. see you could see how far the Fellowship had journeyed. You know, here's the Shire, here's Weathertop, here's this, here's that, here's Mount Doom, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so. And you can cool. see it's and you can see its influence in so many different things. Uh, I mean, there's even influences over Star Wars. I mean, there's influences over Zelda in the video games, right? Uh, yeah. There's just these all these influences that it obviously had. Dungeons uh, and Dragons, all of a sudden, is something yeah. you can do again. Yes. Not be ashamed. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Magic the Gathering, I would dare say. Uh, oh yeah, has, has some you know leanings towards Lord of the Rings. So, man, the just the just from that aspect of how it's really helped to make it cool. I guess that's the way to put it. Yeah. Like it really, you know, it really was just this big behemoth of a thing. Even when it was just books, um, that really set it apart. Uh, I think there will always be Lord of the Rings. Here's a question I wanted to, to bring out to you guys. Um, we live in a world now where they remake everything or reboot yeah. everything. Do you think they'll ever, because there is already in production, like an Amazon show of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's, I'm pretty sure it's not a reboot. It's like its own no. story, right? Uh, it takes yeah, place before the events of the trilogy. Okay. It's supposed to right. fall Aragorn, I think. Yeah. Aragorn. Young Aragorn, I believe. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that, but I've thought about that very thing, Johnny. I'm excited about the Amazon trilogy because I don't think there's any way it could ruin Lord of the Rings because it's set before the movies anyways. Right, yeah. And I, I hope, I truly hope it's good. I'm so excited. They're putting a lot of money good. into it. I know that That's much. for sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I hope, I, that's, I mean, that's, I know where you're going with it. It's a seriously great question. They should, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people thought that, that previous films should never be touched. Our, I think our generation is always, always going to be defiant and say that this movie should never be touched as far as a remake. But there's an incredible lore that you can build around it. Right. Yep. You know, here we are. We're, we're 50 years after there hasn't been any talks or discussions of a remake of, of Star Wars because it's such a, per, you know, the original Star Wars trilogy or whatnot, because it's such a it, it's such an incredible piece of, of, of cinematic history. Uh, there's a there's a lot of, you know, lore around it. You can build around it without having to go back and change. And exactly. I think that's, that's the direction yeah. that a lot of uh, big pieces of entertainment should go. There is so much to talk about in the world of Lord yeah. of the Rings. I mean, look yeah, at Mandalorian, so right? Mandalorian is such a huge hit now for Star Wars. And and for a lot of people, is better than anything Star Wars of recent note. I'm and I, yeah. I, <laughs> I love Mandalorian, so I'm on board for, for that. Absolutely. But it's not taking anything out of Star Wars movies and changing right. it. It's taking it and just taking that lore that's there and building upon it and kind of using it to tell new stories. It's, and it's, I think that's what Lord of the Rings should do. Uh, that's what I hope this new show is, just telling new stories, taking the lore yeah. that's already there and just building upon it. Uh, I would obviously really, even if they cast every actor I ever loved, I would hate a reboot. <laughs> no, yes. I think a, re- yeah. a reboot would be a horrible mistake. I think so. Because, yes, there's some CG effects they could do better, and they would because it's just technology. 
but there's so much of the movie that is not good because of CG effects. It's good because yeah, I don't, I don't even know, want the stars to, just aligned and it was just done right. I don't yeah. even want them to clean that up either. Uh, I know Star no. Wars has had plenty of times where they went back and Lucas has tweaked things and people hate it. Like they just want the theatrical releases. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's a big deal. And I'm kind of the same same with these. Yeah. Uh, I know they could go back and like redo like you know where Legolas is jumping on the cave troll for that's one thing that stands out to me. Uh, yeah. It's like you know how it doesn't look near as good now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can definitely tell it's CG. But I don't want that to change. I think I'd be really sad if I went back and they actually looked really good. I think I would kind of hate it. <laughs> it actually, it's yeah. It, it <laughs> playing the 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 two towers video game where they have that battle scene in there. It's like man, it looks like it looks like the old PS2 graphics when he's swinging yeah. on the cave troll uh, to get on top of it. It's kind of yeah. funny. Uh, I mean, you can use this comparison with with Star Wars in its own self and its main trilogy. Uh, which is better? Is it the Yoda that's a puppet, or is it the Yoda that he's CG? And while he does look better as CG, uh, I'm Yoda puppet all the way, baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I concur. Yep. I concur. Yeah, I I love this Lord of the Rings. This the whole the whole story, the whole lore. Um, you know, in hindsight, it, it's given me a lot of cool you know cool memories. Uh, I get to connect with people about it, and yeah, it's about to pop culture is, is undeniable. Don't touch it. Keep expanding on it is basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, there is so much to tell, and they can really expand on Tolkien's work, yeah. Yeah, which, the, which is a big deal. Without it, and the fact that doing an Amazon show shows it still has staying power. Yeah, the fact that the Hobbit really wasn't that long ago uh, shows that it has staying power. Yeah, there's a lot you can do here. A lot of people still hold it in high regard. I mean, this made some actors' careers, right? I mean, yeah. it literally, oh, yeah. it's why people talk about Orlando Bloom at all. Orlando Bloom, um, Sean Astin got a, re- a nice revitalization. Yes, but he hadn't been yes. relevant really since the Goonies. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, um, I can't believe I'm blanking on the same. Who played Frodo? It's a, I'm going to be uh, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Yeah, thank you. Uh, like it's that's what he's known for now, uh, and yeah. like he's beloved now. You know, he's he's a beloved guy because of that. Yeah, the faculty <laughs> couldn't get the trick done, but the Lord of the Rings did. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Right? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and those guys, all those guys, especially the Hobbits, all all four of those actors, just yeah. From what I understand to this day, are still just super close, like blood brothers. Like they're super close friends. they got tattoos together. Yeah, that's cool. um, yeah. The one Domin- got lost. The one, yeah, the one yes, was in lost. Dominique, uh, what's yeah. his name? Dominique um, Monaghan, Monaghan, something yeah. like that. Yeah, like he's that. so good. He's so good, and I love Lost as well. So it was mm-hmm. so cool to see a, another an actor that I like from movies show up in Lost. <laughs> so, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it has a lot. Obviously, has staying power. I think it'll be around for a long time. Uh, I mean, even if we, I mean, even the books are timeless. So, uh, man, what a legacy Lord of the Rings has and what a legacy Tolkien left behind, right? Certainly did. Certainly did. Uh, Trevor, is there anything you want to add uh, to this aspect? I mean, it's your time to shine, kid. <laughs> I'm just Make thinking, it <laughs> well, I'll just go cynical with it. You know, <laughs> Amazon is definitely banking on it, having staying power because they, they pay $250 million in a bid with Netflix just for the rights to do the show damn you know, just for the rights you know so i don't know i think that's the newest thing that's something to be excited about um if it's done right and with some of the heart and soul that the movies were i guess the final thing i want to say because i did i did fall in love with this wonderful world of tolkien thanks to peter jackson's movies yeah so i think the final thing i want to say is in hindsight it's easy for people to give the movies a hard time because there's certain parts that are really expanded there's certain parts they left out at the end of the day, Peter Jackson and his crew loved the books and they also wanted to make a movie that would stand the test of time as a movie. 
these books were considered unfilmable for decades. So I believe, you know, I'm sure your listenership is worldwide. So whatever I say is going to stick. Um, you know, maybe take a step back and just appreciate the movies for what they are. If you're a diehard book fan, they're such a blessing. Honestly, I think yeah. if you love Tolkien's work, it's such a blessing that we have this and they don't take away from the books. They, they, they're their own thing, but they're the closest thing to middle earth we'll ever see on screen. I believe. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I agree. If anything, uh, it put a new spotlight on the books and, and made them yeah. popular again. And, and for new so. generations, that's why, I, that's them. why I went back and read them. Yeah. Cause the movies. So yeah, like, I never Not, knew they were a thing until the movies came out. You know, I was, a, I was an ignorant child, but, but that's, you know, I'd see, and you can love like, both, by the way, you yes. can love both the books. and the yeah. crazy You don't have think. to love one above the other. <laughs> you can appreciate both. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But all right, everybody, that is a wrap on our Lord of the Rings episode, a extra large site helping of retro pop this week. Johnny, what do we have to look forward to uh, next time? We, uh, we, we regroup. Uh, we're talking home alone uh next time on retro pop will uh kevin uh, be able to defeat the two uh evil uh, wet bandits we'll find out next time on retro pop something to definitely look forward to the perfect time because it's yeah we're almost at, it's almost christmas time here so home alone uh is definitely the perfect movie to talk about and uh, Trevor, we want to thank you for taking time out of your day and uh, in joining us. And you know, and I know oh, you've yeah. got you've got a you know duties to scare your child from the car. <laughs> and, <laughs> but we're glad you could stop doing that for an hour and a half and enjoy yeah. us today. Thank you for thank you for taking a little bit of time out of mentally scarring your child to <laughs> join us on Retro Pop. Uh, Absolutely, Trevor. Uh, plug uh, yes. all your stuff besides Retro Bliss because I plug it all the time. Well, I do have two other. <laughs> actually three other podcasts but uh i do pointless prattle with johnny but nobody cares about that no, not even not even johnny so I do. It's, it's pointless no. yeah <laughs> i do have a brand new lego podcast that i'm excited oh. about i don't know if it's something most people won't but it's called block set review i want that uh block set review because i review block sets and actually i'm trying to get my hands on a little spoiler i'm trying to get my hands on some very knockoff brand lego um that did lego sets for lord of the rings back when the movies originally came out before lego ever did it oh and they look really weird and i'm looking forward to reviewing that on the on block set review cool i, I want to see uh, those <laughs> yes i'll show you some pictures All right, also i do cardboard cave and cardboard cave is a board game podcast and i just released an episode sort of introducing people to the lord of the rings card game i have I, a bone to pick with you over that <laughs> and you haven't played the game no i have played That's, that game oh I didn't think you played it. It's the deck building game, right? Yes, because I want you to play it more with me because I need somebody to play with. <laughs> I freaking love it. Remember, I made you play it all the time. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. So so there's a, there's one we, I could have you on. That's not that game. Oh, it looks the same. I was yes. judging it by the cards. Sorry, yeah. The, yes, there's a lot of Lord of the Rings board games, and I have several. Um, and I'll have Johnny on to review the uh, the deck building game. I have I have the Hobbit ones. That's why I, I yes. was thinking of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Check out Cardboard Cave. If you like board games at all, check out Trevor's podcast about those or Lego. Trevor knows his stuff when it comes to those things. I'm Most a giant so. obsessive nerd. Most certainly so. And of course, <laughs> in, in all the best ways. In all the best ways. <laughs> and of course, the Retro uh, Bliss Show, which has been one of the, the most prominent uh, featured podcasts on our network at BICBP. Yeah, until other podcasts started showing up on the network, it was one of the best ones. Uh, but <laughs> until there was any competition, we were we were up there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know what? All the video game podcasts keep coming and falling off, so that's got you know that's got that's got to stand the test of time. You know, we, <laughs> are, we are the test of time. We are like that pimple on your butt you can't quite reach. <laughs> <laughs> we have staying power. <laughs> that I, I don't even know how to close the show after that one. Um, but that is it, everybody. Listeners, thank you so much for your support of Retropop this last month. We had another significant month of listenership. Yes, thank you. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you in two weeks for Home Alone. Take care. Kevin! Get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. All right. We could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready, set, mother Delay of game, offense.